This is episode 23 of the Janet Lewis Show. In the podcast, I'll be talking with people who have tapped into what they love and are living the life they imagined. Or maybe they didn't imagine it, but they become super successful at what they're doing. They've been able to figure out what gives them energy or makes them happy and turn it into a business. Or they found a career that allows them to shine. We're going to talk about their life story, how they got to where they are, and what has influenced their journey. Today, we're talking with Monica Tubholm, CEO of MonicaTubholm.com and Mojo Moni. Monica, otherwise known as Moni, took the leap of faith to officially launch Monica Tubholm after years of juggling her corporate sales job and her health and wellness side hustle, all while raising a young family. She decided to go all in and put her efforts into one of her passions after recognizing that she could help others with things she'd struggled with after turning 40. She is a self-proclaimed science nerd that loves to learn everything about the human body and how it works. Her goal is to help women over 40 learn a new way to eat, train, and recuperate so they can fire up their metabolism to naturally reduce and eliminate any excess weight or fluff. Moni has over 25 years of experience as a functional nutritionist and fitness expert. She has a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry, Biology, and Chemistry. She is a certified personal trainer, a certified personal performance nutritionist, as well as a functional nutritionist, and is certified in epigenetics. Moni is also an athlete that believes things don't just have to be that way. Just because you're 40, you don't need to listen to the mainstream and settle. There are things you can do to continue to excel. Moni has created an online community of like-minded women where she shares resources and strategies to help others overcome some of their biggest challenges when it comes to health and wellness. Moni is great at sharing pieces of her life that most women over 40 can relate to. She is not afraid to be vulnerable and is willing to share her own experiences to help others. She's combined her personal and professional experience with her knowledge to create powerful solutions to help women figure out where and how to get started. It's all about metabolism, fat loss, and performance with solutions for meal prepping, exercise, and managing stress, plus so much more. One of the things I love about Moni is that she is constantly giving. She really does want to help people with their health and wellness and is invested in their journey. So Moni, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Janet Lewis. I'm so excited. I know, this is going to be good. (laughs) So just so people know, um, I actually originally met Moni about 20 years ago. And wow, like I cannot believe it's been that long. It's crazy. Uh, And we met playing beach volleyball. And initially we competed against each other and then later played together for a few seasons. And I've been able to watch Moni's journey as she moved from a corporate career to starting her own business. Uh, I'm totally looking forward to this conversation with Moni so we can talk about what she loves about running her own business and some of the challenges she faces. But before we jump ahead, uh, let's start at the beginning. So Moni, uh, perhaps we can start off a bit with your history, like where did you grow up? What was it like? Um, What were you passionate about as a young girl? And then we'll move into how you started owning and operating your own business. Oh, juicy stuff right off the hop. (laughs) I grew up in a small town. Well, it's not so small anymore, but it was small back then. uh, Waterdown, Ontario, which is about about an hour outside of Toronto. And, you know, our high school had 700 students. Pink Floyd, the wall painted on the hallway to smokers area, bush parties, you know, the whole the whole the whole nine yards. But it was an amazing, amazing community. And, um, you know, my parents still live in the same house that I grew up since I was seven plus years old. And um, yeah, my focus and passions then, honestly, and it's still to this time, was so much around athletics and sports. Like school was kind of like 
you know, I did it because I kind of had to. And uh, I, I loved sports. And right around when I was nine, there was a horse farm right around the corner from um, where I grew up. And I started taking horseback riding lessons in, in, in summer camps there. And then that was it. Like I was horse crazy, sports crazy. And like, basically that's all I cared about. And I think I actually, probably you can relate to Janet, kept me out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> right? True. Trouble. I think, yeah. I, I, like, I think sports definitely, uh, especially, you know, if you're playing in school and you want to be able to play in the big game, like you're going to school that day for sure. You're staying out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And you're just, you're in practices or, you know, you're with your team or, you know, if you have a competition, you know, horseback riding competitions, you have to wake up at some ungodly hour to get to the barn and get the horses prepped and ready. And, you know, parents are going to drag you out of the bed for so long before you guys. Yeah. Well, and I think you raise a good point. Like sports also helps teach discipline, right? So it's like, especially you mentioned like getting up early when you think about like any of the tournaments or competitions you're in, like, on a weekend, would you really be getting up at 6am to, you know, no, do something else? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's where I grew up. And, uh, I wouldn't say I was a bit of a lost soul. Like I really liked high school. Um, I knew I had an affinity for the health sciences. That's what I liked the most. Um, I wasn't a great student. I got by, and so around that, we had OAC year, which was basically grade 13, right? Like they don't even yeah. have that anymore, I don't think. Um, in that year, I kind of was like, what do I do, right? Like I do, you know, I had grades sort of good enough to squeak into some Canadian universities. I was kind of getting recognized for some, some volleyball skills in Canada and, um, then it was really my club team when I started playing volleyball at grade 10. My, my um, gym coach said to my parents, you know, like she's something special and they're starting a club team in Waterdown and I think she should try out. And still to this day, that's my favorite team of all time was that Waterdown high school club team and still very close with all the, the girls that went there. And it ended up being like five out of our six starters went to U.S. scholarships and um, uh, our setter went to Mac where you went yeah that's right so that was kind of like I found my way there I'm like these are my people like these are the people that get it right and I was like all right I'm going to I'm going to states and I remember my parents saying like when I told them I think I'm going to go to the states for school they looked at me like I had three heads they're like what are you talking about because it just really wasn't a thing it was starting to be a thing U.S. you know division one schools looking at Canadian players excuse me but it still wasn't. It was kind of like Canadian school or bus. But I was like, no, I want a scholarship to the States. I want to, I'm going to do this. And uh, yeah, did it, did it. So what did, did you have to do anything like above and beyond in order to do that though? We were lucky that, <clears throat> excuse me, we were lucky that our coaches, club coaches at the time um, supported a bunch of us wanting to do that path so put us in the right tournaments meaning we played in some big U.S. tournaments we went to we drove to New Orleans like wow and we only had seven players one <laughs> sub and we came in fourth and that's like one of the biggest tournaments in the U.S. and that's where basically we all kind of like we I remember all the scouts watching us in the, the semifinal game and that's where we all kind of got noticed this little Canadian club team the coaches were smart and got us exposure when we needed 
And then it was putting together some highlight tapes. And then um, I think a couple of us had someone that would send it out to different schools. And then we had, of course, the recruiting trips and like all that stuff organized for us. So it was one of those things that I felt, sorry if you hear that in the background, but doing work in my backyard. Um, I feel like I wasn't searching it out, but then when I wanted it, it kind of did a little bit fall in my lap. And I recognize that now more that I was just like, okay, this is, this is it. Like the university experience was one thing. I went from a very successful club team to a rebuilding um, college program, university program. So that was a huge learning curve for me. Wanted to transfer after my first year, did not like it, didn't want to be a part of it and basically persevere through it. And again, ended up learning a ton. Um, but no, I was really, we were really lucky that, that our high school coach did that for us. Right? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, that's, that's like a great opportunity that comes along, but that opportunity is also driven by someone who believed in you and was yeah. willing to kind of go above and beyond for the girls on your team. Right. So yeah. it just goes to show how sometimes when you have like a positive influence, how that can really help and impact you and the decisions you make. Yeah. And my family too, like, I will say like my parents, like growing up, uh, my parents have been married for over 50 years. Um, my brother was like, you know, I was in equestrian and, and all these other sports too. I still did intramural store sports in high school, as well as club volleyball. My brother was in hockey, high level hockey. So they had these two kids and very pricey sports, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, but they were sure to let us know. And Joe and I do the same with our kids right now. And Jordan's just starting to get into rep sports at the age of 10, um, say that you don't take anything for granted. Yeah. Right. You still have to work hard and entitlement is not a thing like right we are able to provide this for you but you still have to earn it if that makes sense right yeah like, no it totally makes sense yeah and nothing was taken for granted and there's going to be days that you don't feel like it there's going to be coaches and teammates and everyone that's going to not see your potential or oversee your potential and mommy and daddy aren't here to bail you out you this is you this is all you right yeah. and that was really big and they supported me, but they're like one complaint. We don't want to hear it. Right. This is your decision to do it. Not ours. And they never pushed my brother and I into anything. Um, but they also didn't want to hear us complain about the 6am practice and complain about whatever, because they were there to support us and drive us and do everything for it and pay for it too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there, my mom was the biggest cheerleader, biggest fan, biggest screamer. I think that's where I get mine from my, uh, my, my energy from when I watch my kids, Joe won't even sit by me, but um, <laughs> they were super, uh, like, I can't thank them enough because they really supported me, especially now, Janet, you see it too. You know, the kids, it just seems the younger they are, the more serious it is, especially if they're showing some kind of promise and potential in a sport, like, you know, you call it hockey jail or baseball jail you know they're not even getting an off season playing all year round because you worry that you're not going to keep up with the next kid and the next family and you know joe and i both come from professional athletic backgrounds and we say over and over again like our job right now for these kids is that for just to play and love it and yeah. that's it and but yeah. no it's an opportunity and it's, you're not entitled you have to work for it but yeah, and, and there is also value in having an off season, 
Mm. You know, like I think that this is one thing that people that don't necessarily come from an even people from an athletic background maybe don't understand it. But unless you've read about it and you understand how you need to recoup your energy, your body needs to repair. Like there is a reason why most sports have an off season, and that's yeah. to allow your body time to fix itself, right? Yeah, and for kids, biomechanically speaking there's a thing as overuse, like Tommy John surgery. I just read a journal article, Tommy John surgery, which is a primary injury that you'll see in a lot of baseball pitchers. The average age of surgery was something like 23. Now it's like 16. Wow. Because kids are bigger and faster and throwing harder. Like that's overuse. And I'm that's baseball is just one example, but just biomechanically speaking, like the kids need body awareness to be able to be to prevent injury and to create balance and sort of homeostasis in the body. But if they're just in sport all the time, they don't do that. And everyone says, what other sports are your kids in? I'm like, they're into playing, like climb, play manhunt, which is like this tag game, like just run and do. And I think that was the big thing for my, my parents instilled in me and my brother um, was that there's got to be a balance, right? Like, you know, that you're athletic driven, you know, that you love it. Um, and you're, you know, you've gotten awards and you're doing this thing, but school is a priority, family is a priority. And there's, there's, you got to experience other things, right? And yeah. encourage that. Try that. No, for sure. sure. Try that. Right. You want to be, I was on the chess team in grade six. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to be on a chess team. The chess team. And I had these moments in university. I was hurt for the year. I'm like, I'm going to run for student council. Had no idea what it meant. No idea what was going on. I freaking made it to the student council. Like, right. You know, I just, yeah. That's so funny. We have so many similarities. I was in student council too. <laughs> I wasn't in, in, maybe I was in high school, like the girls athletic association or something like that, but in university, like no business to be in any, this little Canadian in any political realm for a major, you know, oh, division true. one school. Right. But it was fun. I'm like, I'm going to do something here. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. But, you know, you speak to a lot of the times, like when you have so many experiences when you're a kid and that kind of allows you to know which direction you want to go in. But speak to me a little bit about your experience in the U.S. Like you're going to the U.S. It's your first year. How are you feeling? What were some of the challenges you have? What did you love about it? I had a really rough first year. One, the program was not at the level that I anticipated it would be. And maybe because I had friends that went to major state schools and University of Tulsa, though was in Western Athletic Conference, a big, big, huge division one conference, wasn't a state school. Um, And so I sort of saw the bells and the whistles and the stuff of like the state schools and them going to NCAA championships and, and us like barely winning games, like legit. And I was, I got injured right away and I was like ready to transfer. I was like, this is not for me. Then met a boy. <laughs> Imagine that how, how that happens. And uh, just sort of thought there's got to, you know, I remember my dad saying, you know, the grass, the, the, he didn't say the grass isn't necessarily green on their side, but he's like, you don't know if it's going to be different. Right. And then yeah. you left. So why don't you stick with it? See, and, and it ended up turning into something really great. And I learned a lot about perseverance and I learned a lot about um, trying to be sustainable and positive. And I was not like, I went through 
some rough patches there where I was like partying and not following the team rules. And there it's strict. Like if you don't keep your grades and you're not following team policy, you're off the team and you lose your scholarship, which is basically your schooling. Right. So, and I fought all that and was like the black sheep. I had to go <laughs> to go into summer school one year. It, yeah. Cause I was just skipping classes and everything. And then it was probably about, I would say my junior year, which I don't know what flipped in me, but we did get a new coach. So maybe it would have been the coaching that sort of believed in me more. Cause it's funny because in high school, I was always told I was a terrible passer. You can't pass. They hid me in the back corner university it was like this fresh slate oh my gosh you can pass and I built this up this confidence around passing okay you old schoolers might call it bumping we don't call it bumping in the volleyball world passing a ball and then I became one of the the primary passers on our team and then when I play professionally the same thing so it's funny like you just sometimes need like you said that moment of someone just believing you and calling you out saying we expect more from you because we believe in you and that's where I just made a radical shift. And my, my grades were 10 times better. I had more focus around what I wanted to do um, sort of in the, the biomechanics, nutrition. You know, I was a science girl. Like I dove full force into that. I may have had to run to the lab from the bar a couple of times to like do my experiments and then check on things and then run back to the bar. But I balanced it with like a fun college atmosphere and partying and having a great time with having great teammates and having fun with them which and then having a great academic career my last two years that was just like I kind of blew myself away I was just like oh wow I'm actually I am smart right <laughs> if you really, if I just you know learn to to study my own way and apply myself my own way and and maybe it wasn't someone telling me what to do but just saying no you can do this right it was my genetics teacher he was like amazing yeah. And it's also too, like, I think the last two yeah. years, like maybe a little bit of maturity steps in, you're totally. a little bit more focused, like you're choosing courses that you actually want to take. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And so, I always okay. partnered with the smartest kid in the class always and I'd sneak <laughs> him into the best parties. No joke. It was like out of a teenage movie. I would sneak him into the best frat parties because we were a wet campus and we had in our baseball stadium at the time was one of my seven division one stadiums that actually sold beer. So like, it was a good party university and I would be like, I will get you into that fraternity party. If you will let me be your lab partner and study partner. And it worked like a charm. And I did that probably for like the two, three years straight. And that's it was amazing. Good. <laughs> right. And yeah. And then end up, ended up, yeah. Getting noticed for my academic stuff too, which was great. Right. Which was great. Yeah. So then you're graduating from university, you decide to go play in Europe. What was yeah. that decision based around? It was sort of like high school, which is kind of funny. Like I was made a decision to start studying for my MCATs because I wanted to be in sports medicine. I said, yep, I want to be in sports medicine. It's when pharmaceutical sales was kind of getting big. So I was sort of flip-flopping between the two. And I was like, no, 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 I want to be, I, I love study. I love research. I love documenting and, 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 and journaling and things like that. So I was like, I'm going to take my MCAT. I started actually studying for it. And then we played in a tournament in California and an agent out there noticed myself and another girl on our team and reached out and said, have you ever thought about playing in Europe? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, I, I work for teams out there and I would like to represent you. And I was first right away, because I know my parents would be like, 
how much does it cost? And he's like, <laughs> nothing. Um, he's like, I just need some info from your, from your university team. So anyways, that again, sort of fell into my lap, but it was great. And I didn't sign a contract right away. I got kicked out of the U.S. after school, like literally got a letter saying you have 30 days to leave. he's like I have a contract from a team in Germany um, so he faxed it over that's when we used to fax right faxed it over my parents and I read it over I actually had a German equestrian mentor that we had him read over some of the fine print too and within five days I was on a flight to Berlin wow yeah I was like, had my little dictionary book on the plane, like, guten Morgen, guten Tag, guten Nacht, like trying to learn some German. So this again, like another opportunity that you say fell into your lap, but you actually also acted on it and kind of made things happen with it. So I did. um, Scared. What did you love about it? I actually was scared crapless of the unknown because literally I was lucky enough that I had um, a friend that was already playing over there. And he said to me, be ready to play as soon as you get off the plane. And sure enough, like the PR director picked me up at the airport and said, here's your uniform. We're in a tournament. We want to see you play. And, uh, and I had to play right away. Sleep like, and then it was, they had a party at night. I was sleep. Anyways, it was like, it scared the crap out of me. And the language barrier alone was like off the charts. And there was girls from Russia there too, that didn't even speak English. They only spoke Russian. One was my workout partner. And, but I just, I was lonely a lot, but again, I loved it. Like I loved it. Like I basically turned around Berlin, you know, with a Russian, couple of Russian girls. (laughs) that we could barely like it was just we had to try to figure out how to communicate like it was it was hilarious but no I really I really loved it and the girls were amazing and um really big and really strong and really good and their training so I remember their one training they literally dropped us off in a forest in the middle of the night like super dark and told us to find our way back fast as you can and I do not like running I am not a runner and this little Canadian ran so fast because I didn't want to get lost in like the black forest of Germany and Berlin was running 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 um but it was a lot right it was a lot I had friends come visit me so that helped a lot um but I got to travel all over you know Europe and and Germany and and see things and um no it was really 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 great it was really great it was tough how did you how did you end up then like when did you know it was time to move on from that because probably a lot of people have that challenge yeah so that's when it was funny because it was my coach there that looked at me and I was I played right side so I was power in university I played right side in in profession professionally um and he looked at me he said you're built for the beach. You need to be on the beach. And beach volleyball just kind of, you know, we had the Canadian Success 92 Olympics. Things were kind of just sort of popping up. ABP was around, right? 
Um, and I was just like, oh, I don't know, bikinis and sand, like, uh, is not really my jam. I tried to play a couple times, couldn't jump, couldn't move. I was like, this is not my thing. But then I blew, after my first year in Germany, I blew out, blew my MCL. Okay, just landed wrong. Knee swollen to the nut. See how you heal, and then we'll bring you back. And when I was at home, that's when I kind of just said, like, I think my body's had enough, like, of the indoor game and the pounding. And because there, the schedule was no joke. Like, it wasn't just a game a week. Like, you're playing and playing and practicing. You know, well, it's your full time job. It's a full time job. job. You're right. working out. You're practicing. You're rehabbing. You're doing all the things, right? Um, you're working out, but. So then I, I made the decision of, okay, I wanted to move out of my parents' house. <laughs> so I started bartending on the side. I started then, uh, my friend in Germany was really getting big into beach volleyball. And she's like, I'd love for you to come back and just play with me for a little bit. We'll do some European tour and just and, and, and dabble in it. So I did that. And that's when I sort of said, okay, this beach volleyball game is a lot easier on my body. And yeah. when I'm actually get my sand legs, I can move and do the things. And I love the training behind it. So I did that for a while. And then again, kind of just got homesick and said, you know, am I staying here permanently? <laughs> what am I doing? And I was, yeah, like late twenties at the time. I can't even remember now. And so I said, it's time, you know, to come home and maybe I can do some stuff at home. And that's what I did for a while. I basically bartended and then went to, down south and did some AVP satellite events because that was before everything I was kind of grandfathered in, right? And did yeah. some satellite, not the tour, but satellite events there. Um, played with Brie, right? And some OVA stuff, some amateur stuff up here. I never really played in the pro tour in Canada. I just kind of always missed it. Um, until until it just came one day I was just like I I was one of my regrets actually and Joe and I talk about this because his path and his professional career is a little bit the same that when we're like okay should we have pushed ourselves to be more professional in that niche like so for me beach volleyball like should I have researched and I just didn't know what I didn't know like I didn't know how I could or what partner to find or if I was even good enough to try to be on the FIVB level, right? Or try to even train for the Olympics. I just didn't know. Yeah. So I just kind of let time, I was having fun. I was kind of like touring everywhere. The sort of nomad that came home, bartending was great, paid for this, paid for that, right? And then I would take off again for a little bit, come back home work and you know, look back, it's a bit of a regret. But then again, the experience that I had was also amazing. And yeah. when people hear about my journey, they're like, well, that sounds pretty darn cool to me. Like, yeah, Olympics or not, what a great experience and opportunity. And that's why I just sort of remain grateful for that. And, yeah, you know. well, and I, I kind of think back then there wasn't a defined route for any of those things. And it really yeah. was, it was very self-funded. So if you had the money and you could travel around, you could play at the tour at that level, but it wasn't cheap and it was definitely a yeah. different lifestyle choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember coming back and seeing some of the girls 
like, you know, Gabby and Trish and whoever that were trying and just seeing like their fundraising and what they're trying to do. And like, yeah, you just don't know what you don't know sometimes. Right. So, yeah, you know, but um, it kind of just, when I sort of said enough was enough, I just, the traveling, I was like, I, I just want to grow up a little bit. You know what I mean? That my parents yeah. were kind of, you know, like not saying when would we get a real job? That wasn't their thing, but they're just like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, you can't play volleyball and be a bartender for the rest of your life. Like, what, what do you want to do? And then it was actually you that I reached out to and was just like, Janet, you know what? I'm going to be home in Canada permanently. I'm thinking about something. I don't know what, like, I have a huge science background. MCAT, I started studying for my MCAT again while touring. And then that was, I was just like, this is not happening. Like, I cannot do this. So I was just trying to find another path. And that's when I got into the business and marketing was from a a reference and a referral that you gave me. Yeah. And so you moved into marketing then, and that was Mm -hmm. with, um, was was mezzanine was after. Okay. So silver lining and you did that for a couple of years, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then moved into mezzanine, which was also marketing again. Yes. And so that's where go ahead. That's where I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, that's where I got the business bug because that's where Lisa kind of took me. I followed my boss at silver lining there, but then Lisa who owned mezzanine, which, which was a fortune 100 company at the time worked yeah. with some big players. She kind of took me under her wing on some big projects. And I remember working on this deck with her that seemed like 200 pages long. And it probably was and then we did this huge presentation to this massive printing company. And then we walked out of the boardroom and she looked at me. She's like, I'm taking you to lunch because congratulations, you basically just did your MBA. Right. Without yeah. going to like Ivy or doing my MBA. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, what do you mean? She's like, everything that we just did on this project is basically. A- she was an advisor for she was an advisor there and she basically just said like you basically this you know MBA so I took a lot of what she taught me and learned and have applied it to now obviously owning my own business and doing my stuff yeah I love Lisa I still keep in touch with Lisa today like tell her I say hi because I also I think about her often because I learned so much from her she's she's amazing and so then you left mezzanine and went to what did you do after mezzanine? Peter and Paul's the gifting company. In sa- sales, right? Which is a gifting company. Well, gifting is under their, yeah. So they hired me to help put policies and procedures in place and to up-level their sales team. So I didn't, wasn't necessarily marketing per se, but obviously the more sales side. So I was there for almost 10 years. <gasps> what? No way. Isn't that crazy? Yeah um not for Christmas season they're like you gotta come back for Christmas season and it was corporate gifting it was it was it was great but um then I knew after about five years that's when I was having like uh you know Jordan was born I was thinking we were thinking about a second child um I was considered older for having kids which isn't really anymore like I was 38 and almost 42 but um so that's when I said, listen, am I going to be doing this? 
to my life. And that's cool. Some people do, right? Or, you know, what can I do on the side while I'm sort of on mat leave, if you will, or, you know, doing part time. And that's where I really want to bring back, you know, the, I already had my personal training from before, but get more nutrition, bring back my nutrition stuff, certify more, study, 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 study. <laughs> right. And then obviously, because my own personal journey of what's going on with being in my 40s and having kids in my 40s right? And my body just going, um, was a big motivator, right? Big motivator. Yeah, so you were still working at Peter and Paul's, but then you started uh, mm-hmm. health and wellness business on the side. So you're kind of juggling both and yep. a new baby, right? Yeah. A new baby. And I came because I, you, I knew that he had a fitness um, and wellness online. And I knew that I, like, I was doing some one-to-one nutrition consults and working with a yoga studio on the side, as well as doing, you know, the Peter and Paul's uh, sales thing. And I just remember reaching out to him and saying, can we talk? Like, I just want to figure out how do you do this? How does it work? And he kind of got me started in the right direction and then I hired coaches and you know finding what my my ideal client is and and all that stuff but I did that um the two side by side for quite a while a couple years a couple years yeah so then how come like what is it that made you decide to finally uh leave Peter Paul's and go into your own business full-time I want to be my own boss (laughs) I said how much I want to be my own boss. How much money and time am I giving to somebody else who I love my boss at Peter and Paul, Anna, the office, she was great. We're very close. Um, but the reality was for the money that I was making there, I could, if I put that time and energy into my stuff and what I wanted to do, I honestly believed I was like, okay, like we have something here and it didn't happen overnight, as you know, and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship is one day you want to do it the next day you don't (laughs) one day you want to do it the next day you don't right it's a lot of up and down but I was um ready to put my energy into that full force right rather than half and half yeah and that's one of the things that like I used to have a lot of people come to me when I was an e-learning consultant and they're like oh I want to be an e-learning consultant and I'm like okay this is what this means right like you don't have a steady steady paycheck It's going to be up and down. Sometimes you're going to be super busy. You're going to be working 24 seven. Other times you might not be working at all. Are you comfortable with that? Are you okay with that? And Mm -hmm. some people aren't okay with it. Some people aren't good with the, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Other people are. And so that's part of also figuring out like what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. So as you're transitioning into like, running and operating your own business, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you came across? The biggest challenge for me, knowing that I wanted to be online was who was I going to serve? Like, who was it? I had an ideology of who I wanted it to be, but was it feasible? Was it marketable? You know, I did the good old SWOT analysis around it, right? And what others were doing. Um, another big challenge was systems and processes. Like, what does this look like? How do I build this machine? Cause it is a machine and 
nothing burns me more than seeing the ads and the Facebook ads run out there. And Janet, you see them too saying, you know, make $20,000, $100,000 a month using this funnel and selling this yeah. this 297 program. I'm like, yeah, if you have a million people on your email list, maybe, and you spent twice that on Facebook ads to get there. Anyway, so all the sort of systems and finding a system that meshed with me, because there's different ways for what I do in my level of coaching that I could present myself online. So finding something that was um, matched my personality, what I wanted to do. And then, you know what the third biggest challenge was? The comparison game. Oh, like I really found myself going like, Oh my God, like I'm a year in, I should be making this income and -and so-and-so that's in my mentoring group with this coach is doing this. And maybe I should do that and having squirrel head and wanting to do all the things and not staying in my lane. Right. And staying in my lane and recognizing that that's not going to get me anywhere. And my journey is my own journey. Right. That was a big one. Cause you always felt that you were left behind. It's almost like the 10 pounds in 10 days, right? You're like, what am I missing? <laughs> what am I missing? That's going to make this faster, quicker, better, you know? And there isn't right. Like if you have a good mentor and good coach behind you, you follow their lead, you follow their system and you implement it. And then in the meantime, you better yourself in the process. Cause a lot of times in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of mindset blocks that go along. With yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. So, but it's also too, like, I think you've raised a few good points, like the one around um, finding your audience. It's like you could, and I'm sure a lot of people have done this. I've done this for sure. It's like, you could think, you know, who your audience is. I think this is my audience. I think Mm -hmm. this is my story. I think this is my brand. But the biggest thing is when you get out there and you actually start implementing being okay with adapting mm-hmm. to what comes your way and how your business should evolve. Mm-hmm. Right? I did a huge shift probably two years ago. Cause you know, two years in, I was the, you know, over 40 metabolism hormone specialist, right? Get rid of the extra fluff, reconnect with yourself, have better energy. And then when I looked at, cause clients are such an energy exchange. When I looked at my clients, and I deal with hundreds, like hundreds, not just a couple, hundreds. I was like, okay, who's resonating with me more? Who am I jiving with more? And my team jiving with more, like my coaches that work with me. And it was for me, I literally went from that big ICA, if you will, ideal client person to niching it down to the athletic over 40 female. And I just changed. It's not about changing words but how I wrote my, my content, how I spoke to them. I talked to them. Like I talked to clients that were wanting to run a half marathon that was still working out five days a week. Cause they love it. They know how to eat clean already. They just feel stuck. And I talked to them. I'm like, can I just have you for 20 minutes on a zoom meeting? Just to ask you some questions. Where do you feel stuck? What's most frustrating? What would you love have? happen in your life like just basic things which I think like you said a lot of entrepreneurs are like nope this is my product this is who I serve this is my program and we try to push it on rather than being flexible and saying no like this is what's good and what floats your boat because you got to do it every day too yeah 
Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why, like, I am always a firm believer, like even with orange fish, I, I don't mind firing customers. Like, I think there are certain customers you should fire because these people are going to take up so much of your time yep. that it's not even worth it in the long run. Like with orange yep. fish, like if I'm selling you a $10 item and you're taking up two hours of my time, yeah, there's no return there. And no. people might listen to this and think, well, that's kind of rude to say something like that, but it's no, but not as a business owner. <laughs> it's not because there are, there are customers out there that don't jive with you. And yeah. you're right. Like this is your business. This is what you're running. Yeah. You have to love who you're working with, especially when it's a service-based business. Yeah. And, and I, I think the other thing too, Moni, is like you've taken your first target client and you've niched it down. That's and it. in today's market, I think you can be more successful if you are even more niche and mm-hmm. you really, truly understand who your client is instead of trying to service everybody, right? Oh, 100%. You have to, and, especially in my arena, because it's so loud and busy, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to resonate with anybody, but I see someone says, oh my gosh, yeah, I know how to work out. I know how to eat clean. Moni is talking to me. I just need help because my body's changed, right? And like you said, with the, the, the $10 product, for my signature program, which is four months long, the 3M system, people can't buy it online. We talk first. And people, some people say, well, I don't want a sales pitch. I'm like, this isn't a sales pitch. This is, this is me seeing if we're a fit and you seeing if we're a fit. And if we're not, I have a lot of colleagues that I can refer to you. Say you have Crohn's, IBS, major gut issues. I'm not necessarily your girl right now, but hey, my friend is a gut expert. Why don't you go check her out? She's got a free group, lots of resources. See if you guys jive, right? I don't, no one signs into my big program without being talked to. And some yeah. people are like, well, just show me the price and let me know right away. No, it's not about that, right? We have to make sure it's a fit. Yeah. Well, because sure even, even regardless, like even when you're selling your program online, like for me, um, like with the workshops I'm doing right now, part of it is I just always want to make sure people get value from it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want people to be unhappy at the end of it either. I want people yeah. to be satisfied with what they've received and it's got them moving in the right direction. And I think the yeah. challenges, and you've probably seen this too, is that unfortunately there are so many people out there that are running businesses, whatever the business is, and they don't really care about that end customer, that end client. Yeah. And this is the thing, like, here's the reality check. And I remember a coach saying this to me. So this isn't coming from me. It's coming from her in my arena. They can, they can Google the answers. Like they it's I'm science-based. Like everything I do is about your own physiologically. But again, I I learned what's in between. I, I talk about neuroalignment. So like what's in between our head, changing narrative habits, behaviors, things like that. Cause that's 80% of the, of the journey, to be honest. They, people could, if they really wanted to research, they can Google it and find what I'm doing, but they hire me to put the pieces of the puzzle together so they don't have to. Yeah. And they know what to do, when to do it while blocking out all the background noise, which leads to overwhelm. And in my women's arena, who's a professional woman that works all day and then takes off that hat, puts on another hat, being the CEO of her household or something else or side hustle, whatever, they're busy. Like, I hate that busy word, but you know what I mean? Like they're busy, but, um, that just comes down to knowing again, like you said, knowing your person, but even like they're busy, 
they're busy, but like when they're not busy, the last thing they want to do is research something else. Yeah. It seems like work. It seems like work. It's work and it's confusing. Like you Google, you Google fat loss in your forties, over 5 million articles come up, right? Blueberries are bad for you. Don't have broccoli because you're thyroid. Like, and it's, you know, and, and Healthline is always at the top because they put in more Google ads than anybody else. So they're at the top. So then you believe what they're saying. Like, it's just, it's a beast, right? It's why my industry, diet wellness is like billion, billion, billion dollar industry. Yeah. But, but that's what coaching is to me is like, okay. And how it's personal to you, right? Like, I think when you're talking about your, who you serve and making it too broad, you're doing almost a disservice because you're giving to really service something broad. You have to give almost a blanket solution, right? Because it's got to give them, like you said, like even free or paid, you got to give your community quick wins and value and connection, right? Like that's what, that's what it's all about. So when you're so broad, you're not really going to be able to give that because it's not that personalized touch point does that make sense you yeah know what I mean like yeah you have to you have to be really speak to that well, person's identity in life yeah well and I also think too like even from like the coach's perspective even from your perspective yeah whoever your niche client is you're also becoming or are an expert in that niche so then you kind of get even further and further into that content that you can then share widely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which helps you serve people better. Yeah, totally. Right? Totally. totally. So what do you think has been, um, like what's one thing that you love the most about um, owning and operating your own business? For me, 100%, because I have um, two young kids that's, you know, 10 and seven today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, isn't that crazy? around this time I was going into labor with her anyways uh it's the flexibility and schedule like I was lucky enough that my mom was a part-time nurse um around the time she had my brother and I she was able to be there for a school pickup and drop off most times be at sporting events like just be there right and so that was a big number one for me um the second thing that I love for sure is the, the the clients like I just like I love just teaching and educating. And I laughed, I just onboarded a new client today. And she's like, can I just say, like, no one's explained this the way that you do. And I love that you dive into a little bit of science behind it without being overwhelming. Because yeah, you need to know why we're doing the how, you know what I mean? Like what's going on with your body and it's not explained to them that way. And I love that, right? So that's a little bit of teaching, I guess, in there as well as coaching because I'm not the coach that preaches either um, I'm the coach that sort of asks you the questions so that you can learn to think to yourself for yourself and that will help guide you through the journey because right I, the goal isn't for me to be your forever coach right so you need to at some point be able to recognize certain things and realign yourself and um, make sure it's still sustainable in what you know life after 3m system with Moni um, but those are probably the two biggest things that I love and that I call the shots. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's a big attraction for a lot of people to get into entrepreneurship. And listen, it's its biggest value, but it's also can be its biggest curse, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, some days you're just like, but I just want someone else to make a decision and run the show and run the meeting. And 
be accountable to these people and to that person, right? To make sure they're doing their job and whatever else. So um, yeah, it's a blessing and, and definitely a curse in one day. But I, yeah, I love it. And I love that I can see growth in it, that I don't feel like in the other positions, I felt like I was sort of not so much at mezzanine, but in the other ones, I was very stuck in that position. Like I wasn't excited about the growth potential if it was going from a marketing manager to a coordinator or a sales director, like it didn't excite me. But here saying, okay, this is where I want to take, you know, Mojo Moni and Top Home Inc. in the next, you know, I just did my, find my focus with Janet, you know, <laughs> where my next year goes and where my next, you know, three years go, that excites me. Yeah. Right? That excites me. Yeah. It's like you're planning your own future. And yeah. And, and you know, there's one thing that you mentioned about around decision making that is 100% true. Like I think as entrepreneurs, we definitely get decision fatigue, right? Totally. Um, so that's what's great about having a coach for different areas, someone just to tell totally. you what to do. So <clears throat> recently I just yeah. interviewed um, Shani. I don't know if you know yeah. Shannon Tab. she's a dating coach. Yeah. And she was like, you know, people have coaches for like all areas of their lives. They have them for business. They have them for working out. Why not have them for dating too? And I do think like this busy, busy female yeah. needs coaches for different areas. Because yeah. if you're so busy at your job, which most are now, like mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is figure out your own personal development or figure out like, what is it that I want in this area of my life and how am I going to get there? Yeah. Whereas if you yeah. can have someone who can kind of help and guide you in that, it totally makes sense. It's totally it. Like my, my clientele, they're totally growth mindset. Yeah. 100%. And if they're not like, if they see this investment into me helping them and going through my system and, and my methodology and my coaching and my team as an expense, you're not right. Like I'm not a beach body 30 day challenge. Like this is different. And if you see it as a growth mindset opportunity, where like, no, I'm doing this as an investment to myself to get direction, get clarity, simplify. Like I said, like our job is to put the pieces together. So then you don't have to yeah, right? and spend all that time. Yeah. I think we, we under, and I get it. There's not great coaches out there. I get it. Right. But we undervalue the power of um, having that support. Right. It's like having your own you, wellness team too. Like I got, like everyone's like, you said in the intro, like you're, uh, you show your vulnerable side. Cause I always say like, I'm not here preaching from the crowd choir. There's days where I want to, you know, cry under a weighted blanket and watch holiday movies with my herbal tea too. Like <laughs> I'm not sitting here in a crop top saying never eat a burger again, because that's not realistic. Right. Yeah. But I totally lost my train of thought as I ranted on that. But anyway, <laughs> cause that burns my bridge too. Right. Like the, the, That essence of perfect coaching anyway. Well, and I also think the other thing that I'm going to mention, which I might get burned about is like for women in their like late thirties, forties, fifties, whatever, in that older demographic, I hate to say that because I don't feel old, but no, you know, society tells us we are. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't want to have like a 21 year old who has a perfect body telling me what to do because you know what, at 21, maybe I look that perfect too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> legit. No, but this is a valid point. Like you say, get burned by it, but they, they don't know what this, I honestly say this decade and in fifties too, right. Is a gong show of a time in the most beautiful, beautiful way. And I'm sorry, in your twenties, you might not have that. I'm saying might. Okay. 
like you don't have changing careers you don't have divorces or trauma you don't have ailing parents necessarily you know what I mean like you know worrying about fur babies and and teens and whatever it's it is a different complex of a time and if we don't recognize that especially in our coaching styles I don't know right I don't know that's why I make it a point to be real. Like I don't hide and pretend that I'm perfect by any means. I had McDonald's yesterday. So there, like, <laughs> just, right. But this is what I coach is about finding, you know, I hate the word balance, but finding just a, it, what works when you're like yeah. having well, metabolic insurance. Well, every person, different, different things work, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Me as a female, exactly. you as a female, exactly. different things work for both of us. It's not always yeah. the exact same thing. And like you've mentioned a lot of like the external things that happen for, you know, late thirties, forties, fifties, but then yeah. also internally with our bodies mm -hmm. in that age range, so many different things are happening, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. are shocking. It's shocking. And it's, it's a control thing, right? It's a control thing. We feel a lack of sense of control and that's probably the most frustrating part of it. And I think that's where, again, like coaching rather than business coaching, listen, like I came to you for the focus because I felt out of control with my schedule. And I was yeah. like, I have so many things stirring in my head, which is amazing. I am, you know, I love the times where I'm, I can be creative and think about the future like that. That's what excites me. But I had no idea how to organize it. And I find myself to be a very highly organized person, but in my business, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say you're super organized, actually. That's one of the things I was thinking. Right? Of, like so you that's why I hired yeah. you. Yeah. But, but this is, but this is yeah, the other like, that's thing. why I hired you to like, okay, tell me what to do and simplify it. But this, this is the other thing you touched on earlier as well is as an entrepreneur, especially when you're starting your own business, there's like a squirrel over there. There's a bright, shiny light. There's yep. people doing this. There's people doing that. Like, da, 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 da. like it's just so much noise and yep. all of these trends are coming at you. And which one should I jump on, especially online in the technology space, whatever, and we get caught up in like, I'm trying this, I'm trying this, I'm trying this. But you yeah. end up spreading yourself yeah. so thin yeah. that nothing ends up getting the traction that you're looking for. Yeah. No, so I, totally I think agree. it's so important just to stay focused on what's working and put more in that area, right? Yeah. Yeah. And work on yourself in it. Like yeah. I would say the system that I, I've worked with the same coach for about two years now, business coach. and his system or methodology is what what I use and the structure works like in the sense of revenue as well as not burning yourself out as an entrepreneur okay yeah. so the structure was there but I did the comparison game I'm like then why is she making x and I'm only making x and then why like maybe I'll do this instead and, and he's like now the structure the system works you need to work on you in the yeah. system but don't get too woo woo Right. Because then there's the other side, Janet, that, that I get it. You want to feel good in your business. You want to be in flow. It's an energy exchange, all that stuff, but you need to take revenue action as well. We can't like, you know, we, we were stuff to get clients. So it was, it was me. And you know, what's funny, especially coming from an athletic background, I wouldn't think I would have to work on this, but it was my leadership. Mm. And he sent me the book, the alter ego. Okay, which obviously the guy it has a big athletic because he worked with like Kobe Bryant and the Mumba and like Beyonce with Sasha Fierce. 
And it was literally that where I was just like, okay, what would my higher self do myself as a leader? How would I do this? And I actually took myself out of certain situations or things that I just maybe didn't want to do. And I want to play safe here. And that's when you get squirrel because you're like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. So I'll just be busy building a website, (laughs) (laughs) right? Because I feel like I'm working hard, but is the website really going to generate income for you? So that was the biggest learning for me in the first couple of years of business, right? Was just like you said, stay the course. If the system is proven and has worked and there's thousands of others that have done it and are doing well, work on yourself. Yeah. Well, I also think like, um, so I can share like, I ha- I started Orange Fish in 2006, right? Like, can't believe this. I know it's crazy. Yeah. That was like before online shopping was even really a thing. Yeah. And people were buying books online, but that's about it. But um, at some point in time, I had actually stopped learning and growing myself. So I wasn't putting time, energy, or effort into learning. And like, I'm an avid reader. I love reading and I'd stopped reading. I wasn't, I also love sharing articles. I wasn't sharing articles anymore because I wasn't even reading any of the articles anymore. And I just became very comfortable with where I was. But the problem is when you get comfortable, you can also see your business not learning, not continue to grow. So your business becomes stagnated. Oh, I've done this before. I'll just do the same thing over, 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 over and again. Mm-hmm. But then you stop evolving. And that's one of the biggest things I learned probably in the last three to five years was like, if you want your business to continue growing, you need to continue growing and you yep. need to invest in yourself. Right. And it doesn't matter what area it is you're investing no. in, but it's just continuing to learning, learn and grow in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest things that aren't ta- isn't talked about in entrepreneurship enough. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you can, you can read the self-help books and do the thing that's great, but then also making sure that you are putting in the work and the time doing yeah. it as well as focused on revenue generating activities. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs go either or. Like I'm either on the hamster wheel of doing, 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 and not working on myself, or I'm only focused on working on myself. Yeah. Right. It's gotta be a blend of both. 100% (laughs) for sure. And like, there is a certain um, percentage or demographic of people that are kind of like, um, like they'll buy this course, buy that course, buy da, da, da. They'll purchase all these courses, but then they Mm -hmm. actually never end up doing them. But they feel, it's crazy to me. They feel because they've done the purchase. I've done that course or they feel like I read through the content. I've done that course, but have you really done that course? Have you really done the work in that course? That's going to help you evolve and grow. Yeah. And I would say most people don't like online courses, but this is a crazy stat online courses. Yes. With all the hundreds of thousands of online courses that are sold, how many do you think are actually ever moved to fully completed? What percentage do you think? I'm going to say like 30%, just because I know it's super low. 1%. 1%. If they're by themselves doing it? 1%, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Because yeah. we, like, I definitely see, because mine 
is four months long, but 12 weeks of modules. But it's not like you have to have week one done here and week two thing because we get it. We're over 40s in our 50s life. Um, but we do see a drop off. So like my client success coach, that's her responsibility is to check in with clients, see what they're doing. We do see that drop around week 10, 11, 12. It just go per. Yeah. Right. Not everyone, not everyone by any means, but that's why I talk to a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to keep that connection going. Part of the job is to keep them motivated, right? To keep them to want to continue to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, Moni, I'm really super aware of your time. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. Um, I stole this question from Tim Ferriss because I love it. Uh, so if you had a billboard like downtown Toronto, Dundas, it's massive, Mm -hmm. really big billboard. What would you want on that billboard? What should it say? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is the message that you think everybody should know? I know what it should say. Cause I was just talking, I talk about this a lot lately. Check in with yourself. Oh, do you want to elaborate a bit on that? Well, I, from the context, obviously, of, of, of my arena, women, uh, stress levels are high, again, super busy, athletic mindset, very driven, um, doing, we're natural nurturers and fixers and problem solvers, let alone good old 2020 and 2021 and what's been going on um, in the world. And it's very easy for us to be doing the things thinking that we're putting ourselves as a priority in the forefront, but really we're 10 steps back. So I often say to my clients, once a day, I don't care when it is, your morning routine, before you go to bed, check in with yourself and just ask yourself, what do I need today? Maybe it's a nap, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's, it's some ice cream, Maybe it's to go for a run. Maybe it's a belly laugh with a girlfriend. Maybe it's a nice walk with your dog. Just check in with yourself. Because what that's doing is getting you off the hamster wheel, number one, and putting energy and awareness back onto you. No, I love that. I love that. Check in with yourself. That's great. Perfect. So Moni, if people want to connect with you, learn more about you. myself for that one. I'm not just that's a good one. That's good. Um, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, what is the best place to find you? Uh, Instagram at Monica. The K underscore tough home. I'm on there on Facebook, the Mojo Moni over 40 meta boosting community. Um, I'm on there. Those are probably the two biggest ones. If you get lost, just go to my website, monicatuffham.com and it's all on there. Okay, perfect. I'll include those on the show notes as well. But thank you so much for your time today. I love this. I know. I feel like we could talk for like another hour. We talked about everything. (laughs) Business, body image, over 40 crazy, entrepreneurship. I love it. I love it. It's always a pleasure, Janet. Anything for you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks.